Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17 as we continue our study. I've given you an outline. There's four points on that outline, and we'll see how far we get today. Uh, I had a childhood preacher. Uh, he would occasionally stand up and say that his sermons were like link sausage. He can cut it off anywhere, and it's all the same. Uh, this one might be a little bit like that. If we cut it off, we'll pick it back up next week which is all right. There's a lot here. This is, uh, Romans 8 is one of the most wonderful uh, texts in all the Bible. Uh, well worth our study. Uh, it has been a blessing to me, and I pray that it will be a blessing to you as well. Here now, God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. We're going to back up to verse 12, by the way, just to get it into context. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we, whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word to us today. Well, today we have a passage that will help us uh, evaluate our relationship with God. What is your relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with with God. Uh, you know, we can have a relationship, we have lots of relationships in our lives. I have a relationship with, uh, with the girl at Food Giant that checks me out. I go there often because it's the closest grocery store and pick up a few items here and there and, and I see the same uh, people working there and, you know, we say hello and we have a relationship. It's not a very deep relationship. I have a different kind of relationship with my wife. It is the closest of my earthly relationships. Obviously, there's a great difference between the checkout girl at Food Giant and my wife. Those relationships are different. I have a relationship. What is your relationship with the Lord? Is it more like God's the checkout girl at Food Giant or more like a spouse? When the Bible talks about a relationship with the Lord, it uses that marriage imagery to describe the, the depth, the intimacy, uh, 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 the closeness of it and the passage that we're looking at today describes for us what that relationship should look like and we see four different things here about the child of God that they enjoy in this relationship and as we look at these points we can uh, maybe do a bit of an evaluation of where we are in our relationship with the Lord. First, the child of God enjoys advocacy by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the child of God enjoys security by the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, the child of God enjoys intimacy by the Holy Spirit. And fourthly, the child of God enjoys legacy by the Holy Spirit. Now I'll explain each one of those in turn, well, first we see here that the child of God enjoys advocacy by the Holy Spirit. All who are led by the Spirit of God 
are sons of God. I'm interested in that word led, and that's why I chose the word advocacy, uh, and plus it ended with a Y, uh, and that all my words there end with a Y, as you can see. Uh, but advocacy was a great word. Um, the word that I originally was looking for didn't have a Y on it. It was guidance, uh, and, and that just didn't seem to fit. But when I looked in the old thesaurus and saw the word advocacy, I thought that's the word. That's a perfect word for what the Spirit is doing. We've been looking at Romans 8, and it tells us about this battle between flesh and spirit that we, as Christians, you uh, are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But you're also living in the flesh. And those two are at war with one another. And Paul described that battle in Romans chapter 7 between the flesh and the spirit. And sometimes we mind the things of the flesh too much and we ignore the things of the spirit and, uh, and that's not good. That's what gets us into, into spiritual trouble. Uh, he's talking about having the Holy Spirit in us that is our advocate that's working in us, uh, helping us, coming alongside of us. In John, when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, he talks about him being the helper. He's with us. He dwells in us. And he's empowering us to be the kind of people he's saved us to be. So we have the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about being led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now there's two misconceptions that, that, are, that we need to address here in this passage. The first one is this. You, you often hear people talk about, uh, we're all children of God. You know, all humanity are children of God. Well, that's, that's not a biblical concept. The Bible nowhere speaks of all of humanity being the children of God. There is a passage that talks about all human beings being descendants of God. Uh, in Acts 17, I believe it is, when Paul is talking to uh, the people in Athens, but that word descendants is not the same as children. And, and what he's saying is that God has created everyone. We could say the same thing about uh, Henry Ford and the Model T. He's the father of the Model T. Well, he didn't give birth to them all. Uh, but you see what, what I'm, where we're going with this. Anytime the Bible talks about being a child of God, it's reserved for those who put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So not everyone is a child of God. And the fact that he's talking about adoption here proves the point. We are adopted into God's family. We aren't naturally God's children. We weren't born when we were physically born as children of God. No, we have to be adopted into God's family. Once we were not part of his family, but God has legally brought us into his family. He has chosen us and made us his children if we are putting our faith in Christ. So the only way that we can be a child of God is to put our faith and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he's talking about here. In verse 14, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He's, he's limiting it. If you are not being led by the Spirit of God, then you are not a son of God, is what he's saying. And if you back up a few verses, he reiterates, or that's when he iterates the point, he's reiterating it here in verse 14. But he says, if you, are not, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you're not a child of God. You can't be a child of God because you don't have the power to be adopted, and the Spirit provides that. So, first misconception, 
being a child of God is, is not a, a birthright uh, of ours. We have to be adopted into God's family. And we'll talk more about adoption in a moment. Second misconception is this, is, is, uh, goes along with this word, led by the Spirit of God. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? Now, often when we hear that or people talk about being led by the Spirit of God, it's pretty mystical. You know, they, they, they're talking about some impression they got about where they uh, need to live, you know, uh, who their spouse might be. Uh, the Spirit led me to marry this person or the Spirit is telling me to take that job or this job. Often people talk about being led by the Spirit in reference to big decisions in life. And I, and I believe the Spirit does lead us, but this passage is not referring to that sort of leading. And, and personally, I don't understand that sort of leading by the Spirit, and maybe that's a bad admission for a preacher to make. Um, I don't ever perceive, and maybe that's my insensitivity to the Spirit because of my sinfulness, I don't ever have the, an impression uh, that the Spirit is telling me to do one thing or the other. The Bible uh, impresses me. It tells me, and the Spirit is always going to tell us what the, you know, what the Bible says. The Spirit is always going to lead us in the way that the Bible has told us. A couple of examples. I had a friend who uh, told me that the Holy Spirit had led her to marry her non-Christian husband. That's not true. The Spirit does not lead you into sin, to doing something that is forbidden. I had another friend uh, in England who was uh, divorced, and he said one day his wife came to me and my wife came to me and told me the Holy Spirit is telling me that I must divorce you. And he hadn't been unfaithful to her or anything. He loved her dearly, but she felt like the Holy Spirit. Well, you know what she was doing? She was listening to the flesh. She wasn't listening to the Spirit, as was the friend who married the non-believer. You see what he's talking about here. Being led by the Spirit is, is uh, linked to verse 13 because there's a word for there. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. It connects with what's previous. If you live according to, you know, verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. See, there's a connection between the two. When he's talking about being led by the Spirit of God, he's referring back to verse 13, about putting to death sin, about uh, living not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit. So my friends who were making some very poor decisions or, or who were the subject of some poor decisions in their lives, see, the, the Spirit was not leading. A lot, oftentimes people will say, the Spirit told me to do this when it really was their flesh. They, they're just trying to justify their sinful behavior. The Spirit will never lead you into sin or to do something that the Bible forbids. So when, it's, when we're talking about the, being led by the Spirit, that's what it's talking about. Now, I was mentioning uh, you know, this leading of the Spirit that God leads us, and I believe He does lead us and give us impressions and uh, leads us in different ways. For example... Uh, I, got a, I received a call one day, a long time ago, in the 90s, 1998. I was in my office at First Pres in Jackson, 
Uh, Duncan Rankin called me, and many of you know Duncan Rankin. He's preached here. Uh, he was a professor at the seminary at the time. And he said, Tim, I think uh, you would like to hear uh, what this fellow from England has to say. He's coming to visit the seminary, and I, I want to invite you to this meeting that we're having. Well, in my mind, I said, I'm not really interested in what this fellow has to say from England. Uh, but I wasn't about to tell Dr. Rankin that because I respected Dr. Rankin and didn't know him all that well. But, uh, you know, in my mind, I was like, I'm not going to that meeting. But I told him, yeah, I'll put it on my calendar. Well, the day of the meeting came, you know, a week or two later. And uh, I thought to myself, well, you know, I love books. If you've looked at my office, you know I love books because I've got too many books. And I thought, well, I'm going to ride out to the seminary because it's about 15, 20-minute drive over there. It takes some effort to get there. I'll go to that meeting, and it will be an excuse for me to go to the bookstore. And so uh, I went to this meeting, and, you know, in God's providence, a lot of things came together. A fellow named David Cross was there. I was the only, I'd been ordained about five years in the ministry, I was the only ordained person in the group. There was, it was a bunch of seminary students, and David was there to try to recruit church planners to go. And it just so happens that about two weeks or three or four weeks before, I had gone through some training that you evaluate yourself and your gifts and your personality. Well, he starts describing what kind of person they're looking for and, and what the ministry was like, and he was just describing me exactly. And, and I'm an introverted person. It may be hard to imagine that I am, but I am an introvert naturally. And I'm not one that would go up and speak to someone who's this preacher or a speaker at a, at a meeting like this. Uh, I could have easily just walked out that door, and that would have been my natural inclination. But what he said, looking back, I think it was the leading of the Spirit. This, this compel, compelled me to go up and speak to him and to talk to him about this. Well, we ended up meeting the next day uh, in my office, and, and the rest is history because I ended up going to England as a church planner. I believe that was by the Holy Spirit's design. He was working there. At the time, did I, did I think the Spirit is leading me to walk up and speak to this man? I mean, I could have walked out and never heard from him again and never had to go to England, never got the privilege of going to England and doing the work that we did there. But it was the Holy Spirit at work. I believe that. I can look at it in hindsight, but... You know, he was leading, but I don't know at the time that I would have perceived that or if we do perceive that often. We know we need to do what's right. We know we need to live according to the word, and the Spirit is always leading us in that way. We can say, yes, the Spirit is always leading me to love my neighbor as myself. The Spirit is always leading me to love God. The Spirit is always leading me to do the things that fit in with those things that the Bible tells us to do. We can be assured of that. So, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, we can resist that as we looked at uh, in the previous verses. There's the flesh and the Spirit. We can, uh, we can listen to the flesh more than we can listen to the Spirit. We can grieve the Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit in ourselves, in our, in our, in our inner persons. So is your relationship with the Lord marked by this desire to please Him, to, to listen to the Spirit, to be sensitive to the Spirit? to do the things that the Spirit desires. The Spirit brings life and power to be all that God designed us to be. Are you interested in that? Do you want that? Do you want to be closer to the Lord? That's what we're talking about here. 
Secondly, the child of God enjoys security by the Holy Spirit. He says, You do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, as I said earlier, uh, in our natural state, we're not children of God. We're not born children of God. In fact, we know that there's a God. According to Romans chapter 1, everybody, every human being has this natural uh, knowledge that there is a God, but Paul says that they suppress the truth in unrighteousness, push God away because we want to be God. We want to call the shots in our lives. We don't want to submit to God. But we always have this nagging sense that there's a God. We know that there's a God, and one day we will have to appear before him. And that's the spirit of fear he's talking about, the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you're going to have a relationship that is one that's based on fear uh, of trying to please God, of trying to earn his favor, uh, of trying to win his affection, and always realizing that we don't measure up. That's the spirit of fear. That's a, a, a spirit of bondage that people are in who don't have the Holy Spirit, who are, who are not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. We relate to God on a performance-to-standards basis only. And we sense our closeness or distance from God based on how well we perform that day. That's not how God relates to his children talks about the, the, the spirit being adopted into his family it means we have full rights as children. And we have this deep, as Christians who know that they're children of God, we have this deep spiritual and psychological security. We know God is our Father, even though we fall short of his standards. And we sense that we can come to him on a on a fatherly relationship and on a family basis as his beloved children. It's by the Spirit that we cry, Abba, Father. We've been adopted as, with full rights. Dr. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, A little child has confidence. He does not analyze it. He knows that Abba is his father. Uh, Abba means daddy, uh, the equivalent of our daddy. Uh, Grown-ups may be standing back at a distance and being very formal with someone who might be a very important person, but the child of that very important person can come running in, rush right in, and grab hold of the father's legs. He has a right to that. No one else can do that. Could you imagine being at a dignitary's house and running up and just grabbing his legs? They could think you're crazy. But if you're the child, the little child, you can do that. And everyone understands it. And the child has no self-consciousness about doing it. And the father welcomes it. That's the kind of relationship that we can have with the father. Not one of slavish fear of God. <clears throat> Not one based upon our performance, but one that's based on our elder brother's performance. Jesus Christ has done all the work for us. He has paid the penalty for our sins. He uh, was... He laid down his life. The Son of God laid down his life so that we could be sons of God. And I use that term, sons of God, specifically. I've mentioned this before. But in those days, uh, women did not have the same rights as sons. The only heirs uh, were the sons of a person. 
Paul's doing something revolutionary here. See, Paul, people look at the Bible and they go, well, that's uh, sexist, you know, that, that they're saying sons of God. Well, no, Paul is saying something very specific to men and women, and it's, and it's earth-shattering. It was earth-shattering in the day. It's earth-shattering for us to understand it as well. Because Paul is saying that as a believer, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you are a son of God. You have the same rights as a son of God. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. That was revolutionary for Paul's day. It's revolutionary for us as well, that we can be called the children of God. Are you living in slavish fear of God? Or do you have the sense that God is your father and welcomes you in? You have that sort of relationship. Well, you can. You know, yes, we, we have our sins. We come to him, confess our sins. He's faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and welcome us to himself. Well, we'll approach the uh, other two points next week and uh, talk a bit more about it about what it means to be a child of God. But I want to challenge each one of us today to think about our relationship with the Lord. Do we have that intimacy with God, that confidence in Him? Are you being led by the Spirit of God? Is He in you? Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I, I love that verse. I say it all the time. But it's so true. You may not, uh, I may not have communicated very well. I may not have uh, given you uh, all the intellectual argument that you need. But I'm just telling you that verse. If you call upon the name of the Lord with all the problems that you might have, with all the struggles with your spiritual life that you might be experiencing, if you call upon the name of the Lord, he will come in and dwell in you and that power is at work in you to change you to change you from the inside out. Welcome him in into a relationship with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for the privilege of hearing your word. Lord, we pray that we would have a, a deep, intimate, confident relationship with you. Lord, we pray that we would learn to listen to the Spirit. Uh, pray that we would be led by the Spirit. Put to death the, the deeds of the flesh and see ourselves growing in holiness, bearing the family resemblance, being like our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.